Our gospel lesson for this first Sunday of Advent is from the 24th chapter of Matthew, verses 36 through 44. Hear now the word of God. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away, so too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This is the word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, I pray that you speak through me and when and where necessary in spite of me. And Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning, in the time that I have with you all, I would like to preach and teach on a sermon entitled, The Hours. The Hours. So let me begin by saying that I fully admit that the frustration I'm about to share with you this morning is one, is one one might call a first world problem. However, it really frustrates me that artists do not give their fans enough of a heads up before announcing their concert tours. <laughs> I told you it was a first world problem. With the cost of concert tickets, it seemed would, it would It seems like it would just be a sign of respect to give us fans more time to budget for these live music indulgences. So I remember a few years ago when Beyonce announced a tour. I think there was less than a week between the announcement and the tickets going on sale. And the host of one of my favorite podcasts, who are also fans of Queen Bee, as any self-respecting human should be, (laughs) these podcast hosts said, if you stay ready... You don't have to get ready. They went on to explain if we had put $20 away every pay period for the last two to five years, we would be be ready to drop the absurd amount of money that her concert tickets go for. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. One of the lessons that I cherished that I learned from my grandfather was about this thing called ready roll. He said that when you have something to do early the next morning that you can sleep ready roll. This means sleeping in your clothes so you can roll out of bed and get ready to conquer whatever task await you that day. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. 
Now, the writer of the Gospel of Matthew is writing to Jewish Christians one generation after the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. They are a group of people who are expecting signs. With the knowledge of the Messianic age from their Jewish upbringing, plus living in the time period when the temple had been destroyed, they are wondering when Jesus would return. Jesus said he would return, and now it's seeming like a pretty good time. What should these early Christians make of all these signs? When is the hour, the moment, right for the return and the ultimate reign of God? Our passage this morning reminds us that all such inquiries that ask us to know a certain time so we can mark it off on our calendar or set an alarm are futile. It isn't just the audience of Matthew's gospel. Maybe you recall the popularity of the Left Behind series, the panic around the year 2000 or Y2K, the Mayan calendar, numerology, omen of the year 2012, and countless other tales of the end of the world and final judgment. All of these portents and omens, false prophecies over the last 2,000 plus years, and yet here we are. All of this guessing is futile. All of this anxiety about the final judgment. For surely if Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Son of Man, did not know the hour, who are we to be privy to such information? Regardless of calendars, alarms, and breaking news, some that even have apocalyptic adjacent type headlines, the hour is not our concern. Either, as R.A.M. proclaimed, it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine, or it is not. This passage is less about fear and anxiety about the end or about some rapture around the corner, but rather about being prepared for an encounter with the Lord. It is Advent, preparing ourselves by remembering that first historical encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ while living for the Lord's final return. Not living a life in fear, but living a life in the Spirit, living a life of hope, living a life of expectant waiting, living a life of discipleship. That is what Advent, this liturgical season, is all about. Last week, both Jacob and Larry hinted at this Advent season. Jacob said in his children's sermon, That this Sunday, which would have been last, well, he was talking about next Sunday, which is now this Sunday, uh, is a new year. It is the first Sunday of Advent, the first Sunday of the Christian calendar. And contrary to the culture around us, there is great power in setting our hearts, minds, and bodies to the rhythms of this calendar. Maybe since you were last sitting in these pews, your houses are starting to look a little different. There are wreaths, trees, poinsettias, the same 15 Christmas songs on loop on the local soft rock station. Your house and your planner are beginning to conspire with Bing Crosby that it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. But in this race to perfect tables, gifts, and decor, might you pause this season to think about recalibrating your heart, mind, and soul in Advent anticipation, not just for a season, but for a lifetime. 
In a sermon last week, Larry mentioned he had a professor who said this about the kingdom of God. He said, the kingdom of God is at hand, but not in hand. May you pause in this season of cookies, holiday parties, and Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday madness to reach out those hands, to if not clutch hold of the kingdom, to lean further into it. The time is now and always to mend broken relationships between kin and friend, to see the inherent dignity of the dingy, dejected, and downtrodden, to lift up the lowdown, to embrace the outsider, to sit with the grief-stricken, the sick, the prisoner. That time is now. It is what it means to be part of God's story. God's story is a story less about time and place, but about an encapsulating steadfast love that does not let you go. Last Sunday evening, some of the youth and their advisors went to see It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. The movie explored that Mr. Rogers was a kind man, which isn't really an alert, but not because he was some sort of saint or otherworldly cardigan-wearing neighbor, but because Mr. Rogers practiced being kind. He spent significant time in prayer. He found outlets to focus his thoughts, and he found productive ways to deal with his anger. I've seen his wife, Joanne Rogers, talk about all the many habits that her husband maintained to be the man that generations of children grew up with. For Mr. Rogers, kindness wasn't a gimmick for the camera, but an intentional way of life. Earlier this week, I read a story about an 82-year-old woman who defended herself against a burglar, or a thief in the night, if you will. In an interview with the woman, she said she took up martial arts as a way of self-defense because she was elderly and lived alone. Her actions and choices made her vigilant and ready in the event she found herself in harm's way. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Both the once upon a time and the happily ever after are not our story to write, but God's story, the God of creation who breathed into dirt and formed humans and called them very good. The story of the beginning and the end are the story of the infant born on the outside of a booked hotel. We don't need to concern ourselves with the deadlines, with the coming of that child, that crucified king, that resurrected Lord, the holy politics, that divine empire. We just need to live as people who have heard his lessons, who believe his words, who follow his, ha- who follow his actions. We must make it a habit, whether it is 21 days or 10,000 hours, however long it takes, just as long as each day we put on Christ and engage with the world with grace and compassion. Staying vigilant is exhausting, but discipleship is a way of life, not just for the season of Advent, but for the rest of our lives. Advent, then, is not just a season, but a lifestyle. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.